Welcome. I am Pastor David, and if I don't know you, uh, I'm the pastor here. That's why I'm Pastor David. And it's a huge privilege and honor to be pastor here, and it's a huge privilege and honor to serve you guys and to bring the message this morning. Um, let me also just say one other thing. It has been pretty uh, full here at 1030 the last um, few weeks. I think if you've been here, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the nine o'clock has some space. Uh, <laughs> uh, so if you're in that room, if you've had to be in that room or go next door uh, and you can get up a little earlier, uh, consider maybe coming at nine. Uh, but uh, let me also say, if you're still um, not going to make it at nine because you need your sleep, still get here. We want to have you no matter what, okay? All right, this is uh, week three of a series we're doing called Slow Your Roll, Slow Your Roll, and it's about slowing down. It's about looking at some of the biblical rhythms of rest and restoration that we really need that uh, can actually set us free. And in the first week, what we did, if you missed it, is really established the groundwork for this series. Like, we, uh, we, we talked about how there's this awareness among a lot of us that we really are too busy, that we've got too much happening in our lives. And there's, there's almost this busy sickness that, that, that a lot of us are stricken with. And, and we really got to do something about it. But we also remembered that there is a good physician and that God actually has spoken to a lot of these things. And, uh, and there are biblical rhythms of rest and restoration actually centered on this idea of Sabbath that we talked about that first week. Challenged you guys all to, to practice the Sabbath. I know some of you guys are doing that. Really glad about that. This last week, uh, the week before today, we talked about um, something that is contributing to our busyness that I think a lot of us have not had any awareness of because actually it's kind of new. It just got into our lives and we didn't thoughtfully think about the way it would affect us. And historically, it's only been 10 years since the iPhone came out, right? The smartphone is changing the way that we are living our lives, and we thought biblically about how we could interact and, and live with our phones uh, in a healthy way. And I actually challenged you guys to, to go home and to think th about three boundaries that you could put on your phone that would make a difference. And I hope you did your homework. Um, really, that's worth doing. And I also want to tell you, Jesus is grading that homework. So... Um, <laughs> Yes, uh, you, you do want to do it, really, for your best. I think that it, it'll be worth it. Um, today, we're going to actually talk about uh, something related to our busyness, but what's underneath it, uh, something we often aren't aware of that drives our busy. We're going to be in various scriptures throughout uh, the day instead of one single passage like we often do, and, uh, and the first one is Psalm 139. If you want to get there now, that's fine. We'll uh, read it a little bit later. There's a Bible in the chair in front of you, too. You can find it there. Um, but while we're, before we, we hear God's word, why don't we all bow our heads and prepare our hearts and minds in prayer? Lord Jesus, I, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for um, just this chance to gather, to be together, to quiet our hearts, to still um, our minds, and to listen, to hear the words that you speak. Lord, um, that you have spoken through your word, but to also hear how your Holy Spirit uh, brings those down to each and every one of our lives individually. And Lord Jesus, we pray that your spirit would be at work. We pray that it would be making a difference in our lives that we would hear and that your good, your, your goodness and grace in our lives would flow in ways that would help us to find the rest and, and the restoration in you that we really need. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of everybody's heart, Lord, be pleasing in your sight. Jesus, you are a rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. So the other evening, uh, my kids and I were wrestling. Um, and so this is from three to eight years old, four on one versus me. And uh, this, is a, this is one of our favorite things to do uh, at our house. And uh, this particular evening, I was teaching the three boys, the oldest three, um, the art of diversion in wrestling, right? This is, this is a really important thing to learn, right? So it's teaching them how, you know, you can, you can act like you're going to jump in with your right hand and all of a sudden swipe around with the left, right? I was teaching them ninja moves because I'm not a ninja that, um, that you can, you know, you can come up and act like you're going to kick with one foot and then get them with the other one <laughs> instead, right? Yeah, it's scary with a sports coat on is what, <laughs> what you guys know. Um, so we were doing that, and we did it, uh, we, we practiced those moves, and then we brawled for about 10 minutes, which is exhausting, and I sat down on the couch, and I was getting a breather, and the middle boy, Jeremiah, who's about six, seven, I should know my own kid's age, he sat down next to me and said, um, he said, Dad, I really like it when you blah, 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 and I couldn't understand what he was saying, and so I got a little closer to him. He had this really sincere, nice look on his face. I wanted to hear what he was saying. And he said, Dad, I really like it when you wrestle with us, when you spend time with us. And I'm like, oh, Jer, you know, I, I appreciate that. We don't get too many of these moments as parents, right, where the kids actually recognize how, how hard we, we try at it sometimes. And so I was taking this and I said, I said yeah, Jer, of course, I would love to. And while I'm saying, uh, while I'm talking to him, and he's like, Dad, can we go down and, and maybe read together? And I'm yeah, of course. And while I'm talking to him, I'm noticing that he's getting this like kind of conniving smirk on his face. And, and as I'm talking, he rears back and slugs me on the chest. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, dude, what, what are you doing? And then I realized what had happened. My son Jeremiah learned uh, the art of diversion, right? <laughs> he, he had tricked dad into thinking uh, one thing was happening when another thing was actually happening. You know, this is one of the oldest tricks in the book, right? Humans have been practicing the art of diversion for a very, very long time. It's been one of the marvels of human ingenuity throughout history, right? Which we, we've done diversion as a part of war tactics, right? The famous story of the Trojan horse. We put diversion into uh, tactics that we use in sports games, right? Maybe in the two footballs to games today, we'll see a reverse or a fake field goal, right? Um, we, uh, when we do magic, you know, just about most magic tricks are related to some form of the art of diversion. Uh, when girls play hard to get, right, this is a form in some ways of a diversion. And it's amazing to me how even though we are aware that this is what, um, what happens and what we do, uh, we still fall for diversions over and over and over again. It's also amazing to me that, that sometimes the diversions that are even more difficult to de detect are the ones that, that actually are the diversions that we do to ourselves, that are happening in our own lives and in our hearts, and we don't even realize it. Because so often we'll think that we want one thing, we're chasing after one thing, and actually, what really we desire is something else altogether. So often we think 
that there's this challenge or this battle happening over here in our lives. But what we discover later is that actually there was something else going on, some other thing driving us bad or happening with that person, and we, we were fighting the wrong, the wrong battle the whole time. Uh, he, here's something that I want you to consider. When it comes to our busyness, I think a lot of the times what we think is the problem is with our productivity. What we need to do is just learn how to be more efficient with the time we have, to be focused, right? Uh, but what, the, what, what if the root cause of our busyness isn't corrected with more efficiency or exercises in productivity? Have you ever considered the possibility, have you ever said, I would just love to have six more days, and six more hours in the day, right? If I could just add more time to the day. If that happened, if you were given six more hours, if you could, were magically gifted a 24, uh, in a 30-hour day instead of a 24-hour day, have you, have you ever considered the fact that it might not help at all? That you would actually just fill up those six hours with the same stuff you did uh, with the 24 that you had before, and you wouldn't be any better off. In fact, you'd be worse. If that is the case, you know, what that suggests to us is that there's a diversion at play here. There's another deeper issue at the bottom of our busyness, and I want to tell you what I think actually one of the greatest diversions of our busyness can be, the issue that's going on in our hearts and minds that we're not aware of, is oftentimes our pride. Here's the phrase for the day. You're busy because of your pride. You may very well be busy because of your pride. Y'all, pride is a subtle and shape-shifting thing. It's at work in all of our hearts in, in more ways than I think any of us are, are aware of. It is, uh, it, it is, I like to think of it as pride is the sin that opens the door to so many other sins to creep into our lives. And I'm telling you, if you're really busy, at the bottom of your busyness, a lot of times we don't see it, but the pervasive problem is one of pride. I, I need to give credit here where credit is due um, and tell you all this wasn't first my idea. I'm really thankful for a fellow named Kevin DeYoung who wrote a book with a chapter titled, You're Busy Because of Your Pride. Hence where I was first introduced to this idea. But what I really found helpful in DeYoung in this whole series in its entirety and also especially today is um, how he then in this chapter explored some of the ways that pride tangibly shows up in our busyness. And then he created a list and worked through it. And what I've done is I, I, I read that list, I've taken it, I've digested it, I've trimmed it down, I've adapted it, I've expanded it, and I, I want to share that with you so we can think about how our pride interacts with our busyness. But as you listen to this list, uh, I want to encourage you all to do it with the heart that is behind this prayer from the scripture. Psalm 139 verse 23 says this, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Let me read it again. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Psalm 139, King David wrote it, and uh, in it he has been exploring this idea that God knows him and the depth at which God actually knows him. And, and David says to God, 
In this psalm earlier, he said, you knit me together in my mother's womb, right? Wherever I go, you are there. Uh, You know my innermost thoughts, the, the absolute depths of my heart in all of the places of my heart, right? And, and David, in recognizing that reality uh, in this verse that we're reading, he then says to God, search me, God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. And I think what David is after here is he's really saying to God, would you help me know myself? Would you help me see myself like you see me? Would you help me see what's driving me, what's at the bottom of my heart as you're able to see those things, right? Uh, Can you help me discern my anxious thoughts, those things that are there in me that drive me and I might not even be aware? Why am I anxious? Can you help me test that? And and what I want to ask you all to do is as we go through this list, let God search you. Let God Uh, reveal to you your heart. Let him test your anxious ways, which are oftentimes your busy ways. And and when you see pride in those things, admit it, and then let God set you free, okay? That's why we're doing this this morning, okay? Here are some of the ways our pride manifests in our busyness. Here's the first one. You're busy because of your people pleasing, people pleasing. Have you guys ever considered that you're busy because you're overly concerned with pleasing people? I found this uh, definition from psychology today. A people pleaser is one of the nicest and most helpful people you know. They never say no. You can always count on them for a favor. In fact, they spend a great deal of time doing things for other people. They get their work done, help others with their work, make all the plans, and are always there for you. Now, if you didn't know I was describing a people pleaser there, um, you would think, man, that sounds like a great person, right? I would love to have someone like that in my life. In fact, I, I read that and I'm like, I wouldn't mind being that person, right? Reliable, helpful, serving other people. The thing about people pleasing, though, is that it's really not the problem with the behavior. It's the thing that's driving the behavior, the thing at the bottom of the behavior. Search the heart, test the anxious thoughts, and what we discover is that a people-pleasing person is being driven by their fears, right? That There are actually fears that, they're, that, that are keeping them moving and rolling, and very specifically, the fear of not wanting anybody to have negative feelings towards them right? Not wanting to fail somebody, not wanting to feel rejection from somebody. And all that behavior that, uh, is, that manifests itself as good actually comes from the wrong place. And, and, and you know, um, have you ever thought to yourself, am I someone who struggles with people-pleasing? Is that me? Some of us are, are self-aware to know that this is something we have to think about. Uh, some of us are not, right? Or at least not aware of it all the time. And, uh, and here's the question, if you're not aware, well, think, am I busy? Because <laughs> Here, here's the diversion. When you look at your calendar and you say, well, I think I'm busy this week because I just have so much going on. Why do you have so much going on? Have, have you said yes to too many things? Why did you say yes? Because you said yes to too many people? And did you, did you really want to say yes to those things, or did you really just not want to say no to those people, Right? 
Did you, did you not feel compelled by a good reason or doing it with the right motives, but, but more than anything else because you, you don't want to, to, to have someone uh, be upset at you or not like you? Um, this is a really real thing in a lot of our lives. Let me make an admission here. I'm canceling something tomorrow for this very reason. <laughs> um, I thought about it, and, and I need to do it. And let me also uh, be clear, it is not the serve event at the church tomorrow, <laughs> and it has nothing to do with any of you. This is uh, something else entirely, and, uh, and I want to do that. I need to do that thing, and I, I'm excited to do it with my kids tomorrow. But uh, when I looked at my schedule and saw that there was too much going on uh, on the holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I realized what happened is I had said yes to something because I wanted someone to be pleased. And even though I really like this person, think they're wonderful, it wasn't the right yes for me. And, and so I am going to call them tomorrow and cancel and, um, because the office is closed today. But, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but that, that's what's going on. And, and let, me, let me just be clear. It's not wrong to be kind. I'm not saying that. It's the mark of a Christian to be a servant, right? That's true. But what we've got to do is check our hearts. Doing the cookie drive so you can love and serve others is one thing. Doing the cookie drive so others might love you is quite another thing. And so much of our busyness can come down to meeting other people's expectations of us. We might have a reputation for being the nicest person around, but the reason we have it is because in our hearts, the operating principle is that we have to be known as the nicest person around. And, and, and to live up to that expectation of ourselves is going to make us go crazy, and it's going to make us go really, really busy, right? Uh, it, 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 one, when you live by the approval of others, it's a moving target, right? You, you never know who you are and aren't going to make happy, right? Plus, uh, the 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 pleasing of people is a mouth that always has to be fed, right? There's always more that people are going to need to be, to be pleased with. And then what happens is that those of us, uh, when, when we're feeding those who are outside of us, um, what happens is oftentimes those who are closest to us get hurt because what they get is the leftovers of our time and energy after we've been trying to serve every, everybody else. And, uh, and it's just not a healthy thing for, for anybody. Colossians 3.23 says this, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Let me suggest to you, if you struggle with people-pleasing, take that verse to heart. Please God first in the things that you're doing. He's the only one that is pleased with you just as you are unconditionally loves you. There is no extra next thing to do, and, uh, and it'll set you free, not only from a lot of pain and grief, but also in some ways from your busyness. Okay, this is the next uh, P, uh, the, the next manifestation of pride I want to bring out. It's this. You're busy because of your desire for possessions. You're busy because of your desire for possessions or uh, you're busy because you're keeping up with your existing possessions, right? Um, let, let me be clear. Listen, it's not wrong to want a new couch, especially if the one you have is grandma's hand-me-down, right? Um, it's not wrong to desire a new house, 
especially if you have two kids in one bathroom and a thousand square feet, right? Um, it's not even wrong to want a big, beautiful, marvelous fishing boat, right? <laughs> especially if you take me fishing in it, okay? Um, <laughs> but, but what happens, the problem comes when, when we hit this cycle of more, right? When, when we work to earn and we earn to spend and there's never, ever done spending. There's always more there. And, and what happens when we're driven by that desire for possession is that we actually uh, subconsciously will start to value uh, ourselves, see our value in our possessions. And, and we'll, we're never going to see ourselves as God truly does because we're going to be valued by the stuff and experiences that we have in our lives. And that, too, what happens is that when, when we're driven by our desire for possessions, we start to be prideful in a way that we're trusting uh, ourselves and the things that we could have instead of trusting in God's provision for our life, right? And, um, and there are lots of words that Jesus said that come to mind here. Here's one, Mark 8, 36. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world if he loses his soul? If we were going to rephrase that in terms of busyness, we would say, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world if he doesn't have enough time for his soul, right? Here's another one, Matthew 6. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or drink or wear? But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is trying to reframe possessions and driving us in our lives in, in, in any way, really there in those two verses. You know, years ago, I met a, um, uh, a family, a husband and wife, uh, who were both working very, very good jobs. And uh, they never told me, and I never asked. Um, uh, but they, they had to have been making at least a quarter of a million dollars a year. And, and they had, that, that meant they had a really good income. And even um, with debt and poor money management, you still can live life pretty dang comfortably with that kind of income. And, uh, and they did live well, and, and I observed that. Um, but one of the things that was really odd to me is that um, uh, I overheard them a couple of times say something that I, I just didn't make sense. Um, both of them, in different instances, that they said, well, we'd love to, to do that, but we don't have enough money. And I remember hearing that and just being like, you know, what, 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 what's going, what did you say? Like, what, it made me wonder, what is going on there? How on earth did they not have enough money? Um, and, and then later, not too long ago, not, not too long after that, I actually observed that the wife got another job, took on a side hustle for the stated reason that they could do more because they wanted to do more. And what I observed was this family started running themselves absolutely ragged. They were, they were thin on energy. They were neglecting the things that they really cared about and they wanted to care about, but it's like they didn't know how to stop. And, and I don't know if it was just like uh, the desire for more, they wanted another nice vacation or they needed newer vehicles or they wanted their kids to be in all the best stuff. But what, what I was seeing is they were going 24 seven, they were being run ragged. And, and from where I was sitting and, and even from where they were sitting, it wasn't worth it. Um, 
And, and my, my assessment when I think about things like that is this. When our income is good enough and we still feel like there isn't enough, there's almost, an al- there's almost always a heart issue going on in our lives, right? Because there are countless families living just fine on $60,000 a year. Families who don't want for anything and who are not finding themselves frayed at their core because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses or really just trying to keep up with the unchecked desires of their own hearts. Some of the happiest people I've met over the years actually have been people who've had very, very little and they were totally and completely satisfied. And it just reminds me of this verse, this, this uh, warning that Paul gives in 1 Timothy 6.10 verse to remember, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, and this is the part that really grasped me this morning, and pierced themselves with many griefs. Pierced themselves with many griefs, like they add grief to their lives because they're unable to see what's going on there with, with that desire, that unchecked desire and, uh, and let me just suggest to y'all, if hearing any of this makes you upset, uh, know that that's likely then right on target for you. Uh, don't, don't harden your heart. Don't let your pride close it. Open it up to God and listen to what's really going on here, okay? Um, here's the next one, perfectionism. You're busy because of your tendency towards perfectionism. Any perfectionists in here this morning? <laughs> Uh, this is a tough one because um, the pride of perfectionism is more obvious, right? We see it because it benefits us to do well and look good, right? Um, but I, 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 the thing I find about perfectionism is that it's hard to counteract because it benefits more than us. There's a lot of people who benefit from people who do a really good job, right? Good work benefits everyone. Perfectionists are people who work really, really hard at something uh, because they, they, they want it uh, not only to succeed, and that's what benefits everyone, but also they want it to reflect well on themselves. And the problem is people appreciate the success. And, and, and the other problem is I think there are times when we really do need to put our hands to the plow and give the blood, sweat, and tears we need to give to make something really go well. It's worth it, right? But the problem for perfectionists is that time where we need to do that is probably not nearly as often as we think it is. And the things we deem important that need to be perfect for us are oftentimes not that important, right? Uh, when I think about my own struggle with, with busyness um, and pride, y'all, I, I see myself in here. This is one of my biggest growing edges. Um, ironically, it was not a problem during college, uh, but has, has become an issue is there's something I really, really care about, things that I really care deeply about in, in my life. I've really had to intentionally learn to let go of things and let things not be exactly where I want them to be. Um, and, and, and the thing that keeps getting in my mind is I don't want to look back and say I was too hesitant to hand over certain tasks to others. I want to look back and realize that I made too many weeks unbearable for me and my family because I was too proud to let a ball drop, to let somebody other step up and, and lead or, or even here preach, uh, to let someone lead well or do something in my place. 
And, and I, do, I want to let my planning and delegation not be dictated by my pride. And y- you do too. If you deal with perfectionism, uh, be aware of it. Keep it in check. Your life and the life of those around you will be better because of it. Okay, here's, here's the last one. Position. You're busy because of the pressure of your position. Anybody ever thought about this one before? It's a little bit more subtle. Um, uh, sometimes we hear in our head, I'm doing what I'm doing because this is what people in my position are supposed to do. This is what they have to do, right? Um, uh, sometimes we perceive that because we're in a certain place and position in life, there are things that we need to do that we have to do. Um, and sometimes those things are, are true, or, or, and the position does demand more. But uh, I think oftentimes we don't think about whether or not the things that we're actually doing are truly demands of that position. I think the other thing that happens is some of us want to aspire to a different position, and so we start to behave in the ways that people in those positions do, and so we double up what's happening. And again, I'm not saying that necessarily that isn't how you do that. I'm just saying... Uh, I think oftentimes we just assume that this needs to happen when in fact a lot of times it doesn't. And the result is that we drive ourselves really, really batty, being really, really busy. I want to actually share a win that I had here not long ago. It's fun to share some wins. But uh, this last year I got invited to be a part of a, um, a team in the greater church uh, called the Core Leadership Team. Uh, in the Methodist Church, and I didn't know it at the time, but it actually is a, it's a, it's a pretty big honor. Um, it, it, it's a really big deal to be invited as part of this, and, um, and so I um, said yes. Didn't actually feel like I had an option to not say yes, uh, so, uh, but I did it um, very thoughtfully. Shannon and I sat down, and, um, and we talked about this, and, and we have a lot happening in our lives. We got four kids alone, right? And, um, and, and there's a lot that we're doing. And so we said, okay, you, we're going to say yes to this, but here's the thing. Uh, David, you can say yes to nothing else for two years, right? I'm, I was committed to, to make this be my yes and nothing new or additional, not just in general, right? Like nothing new or additional for, for two years. And so, um, great. That was the decision. We went for it. I ended up going to the first meeting um, in the big office downtown with the bishop of the church. And there's all these important people sitting at the table and me, 20 years younger uh, than anybody else who's there. And, um, and of course, in the first meeting, uh, they're like, there is something that we need, to, we need somebody to lead, and nobody was stepping up to lead it, right? Uh, it was one of those awkward silences where the bishop said, who's going to lead this? And then everybody was absolutely silent. You've been in that meeting before, y'all? <laughs> yeah, everybody, a lot of people know uh, what I'm talking about here. And so, uh, of course, we're sitting there thinking who's going to lead it, seeing who's going to step up. And this woman from the other side of the table looks over, and it's my first meeting. I'm the only new person. And they say, David, uh, so glad you're here. The guy who was in this position before you, he led this effort last year. And, I, <laughs> and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, I got laser beams coming out of my heart at her because uh, I am not happy about this. And I, I'm like, this is what I say. I look, and I say, oh, okay, that's nice. 
<laughs> and then I stayed silent because I, I wasn't going to upset my wife, right? I, I, this isn't something I wanted to happen. And, uh, and I sat there, and we sat there. It felt like five minutes. It was probably 30 seconds. But I sat there, everybody staring at me. The bishop, and I just stayed silent until finally somebody else broke their poker face and said, yeah, I'll do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up and do this thing. And I was like... Praise the Lord, you know, <laughs> dodge the bullet. It was awesome. Um, I gave myself a massive pat on the back for that one. And, uh, and, and what I just want you to see, it was a positional pressure to say yes to something, but I would committed not to for a lot of other really good, more important reasons in my life. And, and a lot of times, if we say yes to that, right, uh, we're going to think that we're doing a good thing. No, actually what we're doing is we're feeding our pride and we're introducing a lot of other problems into our lives, right? So those are just some of the ways, four ways that pride manifests in our busyness. And I, I do want to acknowledge something here. Um, uh, there's a lot of complexity with which uh, these kind of things actually plays out in, in real life, right? Sometimes the line between vice and virtue is thin when our pride is what's, what's active in our lives. And it's not always easy to see, right? So sometimes our desire to please people might overlap with a duty to truly love our neighbor, okay? Sometimes our position actually may result in an extra layer of busyness, and we do need to attend to it, uh, even if uh, even if there are pressures that, that, that say, I really need to think about doing something else here. We've got to figure out how to weigh and balance that and make that work, right? S sometimes when we receive praise because we've done a good job, it is because we actually have done a good job. And we should take some pride in the sacrifices we've made to get there. But what, what I'm saying is that we've got to, to do the work of checking our hearts, right? Motivations can be mixed. There aren't always clear-cut answers, but what we need to do is, is to let God search our hearts, to text our ancient, anxious ways, because we need the rest and restoration and the relationship of trust with God at the bottom of it that really, that really props up our life and makes us who we are and sets us free. And so what I, what I want to do is just offer you guys a very quick question that you can ask as you're trying to parse and discern some of these things in your own lives, okay? Here, here's the question. Who am I doing this for? Who am I doing this for? This thing that I'm doing, who am I doing it for? Am I doing it for me? Is this something that feeds my desires that may or may not be good? Is it something that feeds my need to feel good about myself? Is it something that feeds my need to, to follow my career path? Uh, Am I not doing it for the other people in my life? And really what's, what's really important is God served by my decision right here. Is God and a desire to serve God at the heart of what I'm doing? Um, let me share the verse that inspired it, Galatians 1.10, um, that, that says this. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So, so that first verse, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Do you hear our question? Who is this for? Is it, is, is it seeking the approval of human beings or is really a heart for God and a love for God at the heart of this? And the one who's written this passage in Galatians is Paul. 
Um, and, and I just want to point out, Paul was a man who lived for years and years with so much pride in his life. He was killing Christians at one point in his life because of his pride. When God turned his life upside down and converted him on the road to Damascus, Paul suddenly saw things in a different light, and he suddenly did things for a different reason. And he was now, he's now able to ask this question, to help us ask this question of ourselves, who am I doing this for? What is the, what is the reason that, that I'm doing this for? We need to have our reason be for the love of God and for the love of others, right? I challenge you guys this week, take your calendar and your commitments and look through them and ask yourself, who am I doing this for, right? Uh, make sure that the reasons are the right ones, all right? I say that to set you free. I say that to set me free. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I thank you for uh, the way that your word speaks to us that it meddles in our lives, that it gets into who we are and why we do what we do. And I thank you uh, for myself that you helped me see some diversions at play. I thank you that you really do um, give grace in this and that you, you're able to help us see these things and turn it around and put people in our lives to support us and work through things, Lord. And I just, I just pray um, that we would, in continuing to seek you, continue to experience your peace and your grace and your love as we experience the restoration that only you can give, Lord Jesus. We trust you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.